shit, shit, shit show. It's a fucking shit show. Okay, guys, well, welcome back to Shit Show Saturday. And we have Sarah Ontario just listening today. <laughs> Does it just say that still? No, it doesn't say that right now. <laughs> That's what she puts, guys, when she's in the meetings and she can't talk. She's Sarah Ontario just listening. But then there was that one time that you chimed in when you said that you were just listening. It's so now I, I, I now never know. <laughs> so you're in Ontario and it's cold yeah. as shit? It's actually pretty nice today. It's uh, 46 degrees. Nice sweatshirt weather. <laughs> we don't have another Sarah. I don't think you have to be Sarah Ontario for now. Oh, perfect. So... Um, okay. So what song do you want played when you walk into a room? Uh, How Far We've Come by Matchbox 20. Rob Thomas. I wonder what he's up to these days. How old do you think he is? Let's guess. I really don't think he's that old. I want to say mid to late 40s. Let's see. He's amazing in concert, yet. <laughs> he's 50. Yeah. Did you? He's short. He's born in Germany. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. He's born in Germany. Uh, and he's only 5'9. So I will not be dating him anytime soon. <laughs> His dad must yeah, but- have been in the military or something. Let's see. Why was he? Huh. Yeah, his dad was a army sergeant. Interesting. Okay. Um carb. Uh bread. Okay. All the bread. I don't really like sourdough bread though. What? I know. I like I like rye with my breakfast. Um I like baguette. How do you feel about pumpernickel? Mm, not as big of a fan do we have any pumpernickel enthusiasts out there like i've never heard of like what kind of uh, pumpernickel that would be funny like my favorite bread of all time (laughs) pumpernickel Pumpernickel. what a weird word pumpernickel (laughs) somebody needs that to be their nickname although it's kind of a mouthful pumpernickel um cheese cheese um aged cheddar Nice. Especially the kind you can only get like around Christmas, like wrapped in the heart, red wax. Yes. How do you like to eat that shit? However I can. Just like a big old <laughs> bite. Yeah. Like just cutting off slices on some nice, like, um, you know, those like salad crackers mm-hmm. that you can get. I love those. They're so good. Um, and then condiment. Condiment. Um, mustard. Okay. Uh, honestly, right now I'm really into just regular old yellow mustard. Yellow mustard. But I really like Dijon too. What up in Canada is it? Is what's the main mustard? Like French's is up there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is there anything yeah. up, like you can't get up there that you wish you could? When I first moved, I used to stock up on uh, cocoa pebbles because you couldn't get them here. You can now though. Um, you can't get grits. I mean, not everybody would want to, but <laughs> I did when I first moved. I think that's all I really Cocoa pebbles. What about, do they, have, did they have fruity pebbles? I want to say they did. Cocoa? I can't remember, but I just remember I, whenever I'd visit home, I'd like stock up. And bring I miss, up. I miss the sugary cereals of my childhood. 
mm-hmm. Lucky Charms. Yeah, that's a staple in the house, as well as uh, Fruit Loops or Nesquik. <laughs> I used to, whenever I would eat my uh, Lucky Charms, I would save all of the marshmallows until the end. I would like put them out of my napkin and eat them all. And same with my, whenever I had cookie dough ice cream, I would like <laughs> eat around the cookie dough and then I would arrange them from smallest to largest and then eat them in that order. Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> I used to eat ice cream. I had to like make it a soup. <laughs> I had to like stir everything together before I would eat it. Eat it? Like I was doing something <laughs> special. <laughs> Uh, okay, so how did you learn that you were an adult child? Well, um, honestly, I read or I was listening to audiobook of Melody Beattie. Which one? Codependent No More. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then in that book, there's a tiny little sliver, like a little part where she talks about ACA. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> that sounds like something I need to look into. Um, and so I looked it up and I read the laundry list and I was like, holy shit. I mean, as if codependent no more was not a big enough, holy shit. Uh, then I found ACA. I was in like a really bad spot. I had just busted my husband with a bunch of, well, not a bunch of, I don't know, but there was like cocaine all over an area that I was bringing my children into um which just kind of sent me for a loop and then a couple days later he fell off a fucking ladder because he jumped off of it to get into a room that he had locked to clean up a giant mess that he had made partying like booze bottles and drugs and all that stuff and he broke his ribs and this was all like January of last year 2021 yeah so I was spinning I was like I gotta do something something's gotta give also felt very helpless hopeless powerless uh I told him to get out he didn't get out he broke his ribs I gotta pick that up take care of him the kids so I I feel like I'd been walking along the bottom for a long time and then I was like okay I gotta do something now (laughs) So was that, so that's also when you discovered codependent no more was right then? Around then. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'd been working with a trauma counselor for a little while, but I feel like I, anytime I've gone to counseling, I've always just been focusing on the wrong things. The present. Yeah. Like whatever present chaos is happening. Um, sex, sexual addiction has been a huge thing in my relationship from the beginning. And so I was focusing a lot on like hyper-focusing on that part of it. So it took me like almost a full year to come to the codependency stuff, to start focusing more on my role and how I was playing it. <laughs> so would you consider that your your bottom? Yeah, I would consider that my bottom. My official bottom, my like not as comfortable walking across the bottom area. (laughs) Your realization that you've been (laughs) on the bottom. (laughs) Yeah. Dude, you've just been hanging out there. It's time to do something about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I guess that's what it could be. Yeah, the realization that you've been fucking living on the bottom. Yeah. Like, oh, the crumbs are so like stale and great here. I don't know. (laughs) So regular. 
yeah. <laughs> a plethora of crumbs. Um, yeah. Okay. So we'll circle back to that stuff, but let's talk about your childhood. Yeah. So when you read that in, was one of your parents an alcoholic? Yes. Um, I would honestly say both of my parents are an alcoholic, although it took me a lot longer to accept that my mom is also. Mm. Um, my dad was, a, I would consider a functional alcoholic. Like every day he'd get off of work, he'd pick up a pack of Keystone Lights and uh, come home and he would, he would drink. But it didn't seem to like, I don't know, affect changes personality. Yeah. 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 Um, the only time his personality or anything felt altered is if he drank whiskey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as my mom goes, she's more of a social drinker. Like it's a very big, um, I would say like it's an entire Southeast Kansas problem and probably more so a, a United States issue, but um are everywhere but drinking is just how people socialize uh, socialize it's in everything like she went to play softball they were drinking you go hang out with your friends you're drinking and she was also very very young when she had me and my brother so I have an older brother who's a year older than me and she was 17 when she was pregnant with him Wow. And she was pregnant with me a year later. Yeah. So. That's young. So did you, ha- so what was your perception of, cause you mentioned, you know, not focusing on the right issues. What was your perception of your childhood? Let's say prior to reading codependent no more. Um, I had always felt like, I was from a loving family. Like my parents loved me. They cared for me. Um, I do remember once as a young teen telling my mom she wasn't a very good mom, but that I loved her. Um, I don't know. I'd always been like, well, you know, I didn't have a bad childhood. People cared for me. I wasn't beaten. Nobody abused me. Um, but when I look back now, I realize like, it was just a lot of neglect. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like I have a lot of memories of just, it just being me and my brother. I have a lot of memories of me walking around our town, like the entire day. I just take my dog and go for a walk and be gone. (laughs) Um, so I didn't realize. I had the core beliefs that I had (laughs) until I started digging through that with my trauma counselor. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's really easy to say like, yeah, of course I deserve love. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then when your actions show otherwise. Yeah. I get it. So it's like my intelligent self knows a lot, (laughs) but my emotional self, Mm-hmm. thinks different mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. did you have any like repressed memories come up um I had a really hard time I did recently have uh, recently being like a month or two ago I had some not 
full memories come because I wasn't ready for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe that there was some sexual abuse when I was a toddler. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure who or where it came from. <laughs> uh, but I do remember acting out very, very early, like three, four um, adult scenarios with myself and my dolls. Like I would hide privately <laughs> and pretend like I was having sex with them or make my Barbies have sex with each other. So <laughs> I think it was because I was, I was going through some of the stuff and it's like, you know, adult children or people with trauma often have hard time with um, having a good imagination. And I was like, well, I had a great imagination. I used to like, play in my room. My Barbies have sex. Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But um but then when I really started thinking about it, I was like, you know what? I was in all this imaginary play, I was acting out a lot of really adult things. Yeah, how did I know about this? Yeah. So that was the hard part. Wait a minute. How could I at that age know those things? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you like reflect back on your childhood and then like becoming a teenager and adult, how do you feel, how did your, um, unresolved childhood shit manifest? I just felt like I was a burden. Like I didn't know I felt that way, but that's definitely how I act. Like I'm a burden. I need to make myself small. (laughs) I need to be agreeable my opinions and thoughts aren't valid. <laughs> um, so like my first relationship, like the, the ones in junior high, I don't really count because they were like, you know, one week, <laughs> whatever. I remember the first time I kissed a boy was at a carnival and I got sick the next day and I just associated the two together. Like <laughs> I had done something really wrong. And so now I'm going to be sick for a week. <laughs> When it was really like the funnel cake. Yeah, it was really actually because um, the, fried, the fried butter. <laughs> it was the, the smoke from all the food trucks. Mm-hmm. I didn't learn till later, but like, you know, more festivals and different shit later. I was like, oh, I get sick every time I'm around this stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it wasn't my first kiss. All right. <laughs> um, my first long-term relationship, I was asked out by a boy at a school dance. I didn't even know he existed until that day. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And all my friends are like, do it. You should date him. He's such a great guy. Do it, do it, do it, do it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then I didn't know this about me, but once I'm picked, I'm picked. <laughs> in it to win it, baby. Oh, in it to win it. There's no getting out until you're unpicked. <laughs> Um, started off, you know, fun and silly. And gradually, like my friends started falling off the ladder, like falling off here and there. Uh, he and my best friend started getting into fights and he was super abusive. <laughs> he would drive car erratically with me in it. He would yell at me. He would punch holes in the walls. He would coerce me into sex. 
regularly. It was really awful. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I obviously didn't think I deserved better. And I didn't think that, you know, there was a way out of it. And I feel like a consistent thing in my relationships, which have all been long term, um, is that I would keep telling people around me about these things, like thinking that they were going to save me in some way, Mm. (laughs) but not talking to my mom about it, not talking to my dad about it, not talking to anybody like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I never felt like I had the power to save myself. Mm. Mm -hmm. I can relate to that. So I feel like I I need to do more episodes on it. I feel like we haven't talked like a ton about sex addiction on the podcast. I'm curious, you know, through your work in therapy and just this work that you're all the healing work that you're doing. um, Do you feel that it is truly about the sex or it's more about like wanting to get the, the intimacy from it? I think it shows up differently for different people um, from what I've learned. And actually there is not a ton of research out there or help for people. Um, A lot of times what it can be is when people are younger and they start discovering their sexuality, they learn that that is a way of soothing yourself. Mm -hmm. So something super scary or stressful is happening you can learn that masturbating or orgasming and all of those things can soothe that stressor. So your parents are fighting in the other room, you're freaked out, whatever. You can go hide, masturbate, and everything feels fine because you've released all those endorphins and and things. So now you start relying upon it every time you have that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. response. Um, For me, it was a way of, intimacy I felt like I had some kind of power or control in those moments Mm -hmm. it made me feel value Mm -hmm. I placed a lot of my self-worth on what I had to offer people sexually falls under the whole like people pleasing thing like if I was really great at XYZ, and then I was a really valuable person to my partner. You know, I was exciting. I wanted to try new things. I, yeah. And part of that was me. Like, I wanted to know, like, what feels good. Like, I wanted to try all these things and I want to, but a lot of it is, yeah, my value. I put, placed my value on what I could offer and how good I was at those things. I think what I've realized about myself in, you know, when there's been times where I'm like, oh, I just need to get out there and have some sex. I just need to, you know, that's normal. It's healthy. Mm-hmm. I've realized in the aftermath that like, it really wasn't the sex that I was seeking. It was really the intimacy. Yeah. And I was feeling like a piece of shit afterwards, not because I felt shame in what I did, but because what I was truly seeking was not what I got, you know? Yeah. So it, yeah, it's the whole like seduction piece. It's mm-hmm. in the moment of the intimacy of people like really being into you and mm-hmm. this idea that I can make people fall in love with me. <laughs> it's very like, um, it's a drug, not real. Yeah, yeah. It's a drug. 
So right here, right now, what do you feel mm-hmm. like is the laundry list that you're a uh, trait that you're struggling with the most? Oh my God. I have to pull up the laundry list again. <laughs> I feel like so many of them are relatable. You want me to pull um, it up or you got it? If you have it handy, sure. Otherwise. There you go. All of it. <laughs> um, you know what? Probably the guilt feeling when we stand up for ourselves. Just because it always seems foreign. Like it always feels like you're taking something from somebody. Well, for me, it always felt like I'm taking something from someone else when I was asserting that my needs were important. Like I was asking something that was just too much. Can you remember a time in childhood where you were made to feel that way? Mostly only think of things that involve money. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents divorced when I was six. And I always had guilt feelings about asking for anything. I had this like impeccable timing that I always like wanted something, even if it was teeny tiny small at the end of the month, like right when bills were supposed to come out and be paid. And I always knew like my mom felt bad that she couldn't get it for me. (laughs) And so I would just feel really bad for ever asking in the first place. It's funny that you just bringing that up. So this woman that I interviewed yesterday, who's going to be on next week. She just posted on Instagram. It says, if you've been conditioned to believe standing up for yourself makes you a bad person, asking for what you want feels mean. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I also had a really abusive relationship between me and my brother. Like I know my dad was abusive to him. And so he took a lot of that out on me where he just like repeatedly told me how stupid I was, how incapable I was, and my thoughts and ideas were stupid. And so I know a lot of it comes from my relationship with him. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he was definitely the, the scapegoat. Like everybody talked shit about him, but would give him the world. Mm-hmm. Do you have a relationship with him? I have a better relationship with him now than ever, uh, now that we're grown. Mm-hmm. It's still not super close, but we're getting better at talking to each other. Like there's less resentment between the two of us. Um, He has a daughter. So he's talked to me a few times about helping her and what I can, like what he can do. Is he in Kansas? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are your parents still together? Um, No, my parents, my parents divorced when I was six. Oh, you said that, sorry. Yeah, that's okay. My dad died when I was 16. He had a massive heart attack. And uh, my mom remarried my senior year. And they're still married. Mm -hmm. And have you, since you've been kind of discovering, since you've started your adult child journey, have you, have you spoken with her at all about it? Yeah, I've started talking to my mom about it, especially since um, my husband and I have been separated. Mm-hmm. still living together separated in the same house <laughs> yeah I know yeah yeah so I started talking to her about it I'm realizing now that you know she's just been super codependent her whole life I was diagnosed with ADHD this year I realized that she has those same traits as well uh, I talked to my grandma about her relationship with my grandfather um, I was like why are you like what what happened like how did you guys meet and she tells me that she went with one of her her friend was dating somebody 
and my grandfather was there when they were going out on a date and he kept trying to control her and she was a big feminist and then somehow they ended up dating and they've been married this whole time now I'm like how I don't what <laughs> like she was just keeps proving to him over and over again how he can't control her and this is your relationship with her parents. <laughs> <laughs> unhealthy yeah I'm like what? like no wonder I'm fucked like um because I am the daughter of a bunch of extremely independent codependent women (laughs) (laughs) it's really fucked up like strongly opinionated they throw off very strong independent women because they do fucking everything and yet at the end of the day their husbands have always had the final say like I go to my grandma's house, she's like, yeah, I wanted the kitchen to be this way, but that's not what your grandpa wanted. So I'm like, well, when was the last time he cooked a fucking meal? Because I don't think his opinion mattered about how the kitchen was, grandma. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just really like uh, realizing the culture of that mm. now. It's like, holy shit. Growing up with all these very powerful women that are powerless. So I want to know two things. So one, like, how have you grown? And then I don't know if you answered the question of in what way, what's the biggest lesson you learned this year? So I want answers to that. So give me an example of how do you feel like over the past year you've, you've grown? So I am being more open and honest in my communication with everyone. Uh, I'm telling people how I actually feel about things. Mm -hmm. I am separating myself from things that I cannot control. I mean, I've surrounded myself with a lot of people that are also having really chaotic lives and I'm letting them know that I'm just not, I don't have any spoons. I'm not available to take on everyone else's things as well. The biggest lesson is that I don't have to prove my value to anyone. I have value and I deserve kindness and respect, period. I shouldn't have to beg for it. Shouldn't have to ask for it. And I have value outside of my body and what I have to offer people. What are three things that you like about yourself? Uh, I'm kind. I am a good mom. And I am capable of learning and being different i'm glad you didn't say and i'm really good in bed and i am a fucking great life (laughs) (laughs) what if that's all you said you just like listed three sexual things (laughs) i'll be like okay sorry everyone let's go back to the drawing board (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm no longer a transactional sex person however (laughs) no more birthday presents with my from my body <laughs> no more special occasions Sarah <laughs> okay what's a hope or dream you have for your future um to continue growing and recovering uh to take risks without being afraid of failing anymore mm. that's been really huge is just trying things like okay here's a good story for that just sidetrack it um Every summer I go to Kansas with my kids and 
it wasn't last summer, it was the summer before. We were swimming at one of my mom's friend's pools and I did a backflip off the diving board for the first time in my entire life. And I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm gonna try it. I've never done it. I've always been afraid. I've always been worried about looking stupid. I'm gonna do it. And so I did it and I felt pretty badass about it. Good. I always I always sucked at doing flips and stuff. Me too, but it's because I'm so afraid of looking like an idiot. <laughs> my excuse is I'm too tall. That's my excuse for everything. Too tall. That was my excuse for sit and reach. I'm for too tall. Reach. I can't do sit and reach. Well, this has been lovely. Thank you, my dear. And for everybody who can't see you, she says her shirt, sweatshirt says, fuck your bad vibes. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much. Do you change it? it? Do you change your shirt when you go pick up your kids? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that wraps up Shit Show Saturday. As always, sign up for the Patreon. That is where I host weekly support groups. And it's where you say thanks, Andrea, for all that you do. Patreon.com slash adult child. Follow me on TikTok and Instagram at adult child pod. And give me a damn five star rating on Apple and Spotify. And I will see y'all shit shows on Wednesday. Bye. Bye.